Welcome to the BG Podcast, conversations at the intersection of business, community, and public policy from the Austin metro and around Texas. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com slash podcast and on iTunes and Google Play. Hello, this is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group. Our guest today is Mayor Larry Wallace of the city of Maynard. Welcome to the show, Mayor. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. All right, you're actually our first mayor on the show, so okay. that's a, you know, we're, we're breaking new ground here. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's good. and for those who aren't familiar with the for the location of the city of Maynard, can you just give a kind of quick geography of where that is in relation to you know, we're recording in downtown Austin? Okay, got it. So you'd be going down 35 make that right onto 290 like you're going to Houston and ride for maybe about 10, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. boom, you're right there. In Easy traffic, no traffic. <laughs> you know, boom, right there. So uh, only only a couple miles away, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you you were elected in November of last year, 2019. Yes. So yes. how have the first you know, several months in office been so far? Um, I mean, I'm enjoying it. I, I tell everybody to ask me, say, how's it, how's it feel? Like, I'm enjoying it. I, I came from the military, retired 2017. And uh, it's almost like allowing me to get back and doing the things that I love to do with engaging uh, with the community, engaging with different entities, organizations, and just figuring out how to make things just better and stronger and, and, and creative. Yeah, and you're the first. Also, you're also the first black mayor of city of Manor, right? Yes, the city has given me that honor and yeah. has given that given that uh, level of um, equality across the board, just to show where it's at. In that, uh, it, it's not about ethnicity. It's not about uh, you know those things anymore. It's all about the right person for the position and what the city needs. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get right into that then. So you've been in office several months now. Um, what are some of your priorities? Where I've been, I mean, kind of coming into it, right? I mean, because I know, just we, we're we have a we're we have a lot of politicians and, and folks who are running for office, right? Kind of right. our network, and so we know the different. There is kind of the the things you want to do in the campaign, right? And the things, mm-hmm. I mean, you you truly want to do, and then you get you know there is the kind of realities of the day to day of office and right. the responsibilities right. um, you have, right? But maybe like your top three priorities in entering the office and you know, after the oath and right. that you want to achieve. On your term, and these are you have a four-year term. Correct? No, no, it's two years. Two-year terms. Two years. We're actually uh, have a charter committee mm-hmm. uh, working right now. One of the recommendations is looking at the term links. Mm-hmm. Uh, just given, you know, do we need to have three or four years per term instead of the two? Because by the time you get in, you're spending, you know, six months trying to figure the system out. Mm-hmm. You're spending another six months if you decide to rerun, or you're getting ready to come out the seat. So you really only have one year of that individual. Uh, so it, it's not beneficial anymore for what the city needs to do, how the city needs to grow, the relationships that need to be established, and seeing things through. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, well, and also because the city has grown, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. As, the, as the city of Austin's grown, pro- city of Austin proper, the Austin metro is growing, especially you're getting a lot of folks who are uh, you know, migrating out from the urban core into I mean, every, all parts, right? Uh, north to Williamson County, south to Hayes County, and the cities they're in, and also, you know, east as well, right? City of Manor. Yeah, I mean, think about it just like Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, uh, downtown San Antonio, downtown Dallas, right? 
Uh, it's becoming more business heavy uh, here in the Austin area. And because of that, cost is just going up. So mm-hmm. cost of living is going up. So the city of Manor, as you you know, you know, and some other people know, is the seventh fastest growing suburb in America per Realtor.com in 2018, 2019. Top number 20 of us best small suburbs to live in America per uh, U.S. News and Report 2019. Mm-hmm. Good fact wrap, like in, <laughs> in, in 2020. He's saying this off top of his head, too. There's no notes in front of him. In uh, 2020, the Texas uh, Demographic Center has said, you know, the city of Manor is one of the top fastest growing cities in the state. Um, so, and, and what's the attributing factor to that? Cost of living, affordability. Uh, yes, we have a high tax uh, rate more so than some of our local cities, but when you offset that with the cost of buying a house, the cost of land, the cost of doing regular business, mm-hmm. and what that's going to look like across years, we're still way lower than our adjacent cities when it comes to affordability and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the biggest overall focuses, even when I was on city council talking to our city manager Tom Bolt, when we talked about affordability was what do those words really mean for our city? And affordability is not necessarily always going to mean the cheapest house. It's not always going to mean the cheapest type of food. It means whatever amenities, commodities, things that we bring within the city, your cost to be able to utilize those, to be able to have those, your cost of living compared to living in another city it's very comparable. It's very enticing. It's very like, okay, we, we, I'm not having to pay an enormous amount just to have these things here. Correct, right. And I know, you know, given kind of the constraints of having a two-year term, I know you came into office with some of those ideas in mind, right, around affordability. And as, the, as you're seeing population shifts uh, into the city and, you know, there's there, – I, I've seen this happen or I've seen it kind of transpire in other markets in the Austin metro, right, where – um, you know, I think some cities may take an aggressive kind of approach mm-hmm. to it and like have a moratorium on development. Right. I think see a bass shop did that uh, just to kind of stem the tide, right, mm-hmm. a little bit and get some c- control around it. Right. Right. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? I mean, in terms of your folks are moving to Manor because of affordability and lifestyle too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have kind of the balance of also you know, wanting to maintain some affordability relatively to the city of Austin. Right. But also those amenities there so they're not having to drive in right and inclement traffic and right. on exactly. out of the road exactly but what yeah just do you talk about that a little bit definitely and I, w- I would i would start off with saying whatever you see being done now in the as my position as mayor are only things that are being visible that i was doing behind the scenes as a city council member mm-hmm. so so none of it is anything new i've always already doing it as a council member. And how long were you on council for? Uh, on council for nine months. Okay. So I uh, was already working and collaborating with a lot of people that you see me engaging with now. Now as the position in mayors is making it more prominent. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's the only difference. Uh, some of the things that we're, we're trying to do when you're talking about how do we uh, really do this expansion but at the same time maintain the affordability and so forth. We're talking about uh, connecting with these larger big businesses that are there in Austin, but saying, hey, what about satellite locations? Mm-hmm. What about the, the, the workspaces and so forth, right? Because um, the community employment is now going more to flex time and, and you know, all those different types of options. Thing, right? Yeah, remote and all that stuff. Uh, the we work spaces and so forth. So how do we capitalize on those opportunities when they may not necessarily be that beneficial here within the Austin area? You have the people uh, living 
in these uh, uh, more rural locations. So how do you entice them to stay very productive, stay very engaged? You know, one of the biggest things I have to say, at least when you're having kids, right, is most of the sports programs and activities happen 3.30, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. So you're talking about I need to drive 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour from Austin, from wherever I'm at, right? Uh, so I'm missing out on being able to really partake or allow my kids to be involved in things because where they're going to be doing their sports and stuff is back at home. But because my job or the company I'm with, they, they don't give me the option to still do a full productive day more local to where I live. Mm-hmm. And how do you really start to get uh, that work balance life back into yeah. society, right? Uh, the, the biggest thing as we're growing as a city is really trying to say, hey, we're a community. We support each other. One of the biggest focuses are youth and making sure youth get what they need because they are the next generation and how they are raised and how they are supported and how they are corralled around will determine what the world, when, it, when, when, when they grow up, how they see things, how they engage on things, and how they kind of give back and contribute. So for me, talking with different organizations and saying, got it, I understand your business model. This is what we're trying to be as a city. What parts of your business model fit with the brand we want our city to be known for? Uh, We may not need a big installation. Maybe we need small satellite locations and, and, and so forth. Or you may not need to do certain things, productions or whatever, down here in the Austin area where you need to be networking with the capital and networking with the different commissions. What stuff can be done in other areas where it's not going to cost you as much to have a building, to have a facility, the overhead, the cost mm-hmm. of, of doing that particular department or multiple different functions maybe cheaper having it off-site. Yeah, and BD2, when I look at the Austin Metro compared to some of our peer markets around the country is we have, we have land, we have space to grow. And particularly the development, as you know, is going out east, mm-hmm. right? all directions, northeast, central east, southeast. Um, and there's land demand, right? Which is a big selling point, probably relatively, yeah. look at the, pro- <laughs> the cost of a plot of land, you know, an, an acre, the cost of a square foot in Austin compared to Manor, it's dramatically low. and you look at other cities, Smithville, Liberty. I mean, there are other cities in the metro that are. That, mm-hmm. And I grew up. I mean, I've been here 28 years, my 36 years, and you right. see kind of the growth going on. In cities that <laughs> were kind of just you know sleepy towns like yeah. 10 years ago. In your mind, they were. And um, but just you had the land, right? So a lot of this just is it. What I mean, in the discussions you're having, right? What mm-hmm. what's kind of um, what is uh, the desires from the business folks you're talking to? So, interesting, you talk about the land piece. When, when we sat down with the Governor's Economic Development Committee, you know, like, hey, how much, uh, like, land space do you have? And we thought, oh, we got 40, 50 acres here and there, and just all throughout, and the draw, their jaws just kind of dropped. Like, mm-hmm. man, we don't even have, like, you know, trying to find an acre around here in Austin is difficult. Uh, so, I would say, Right. So like we're like, we got the land. Yeah. Um, you know, for us, very open. Very I would say very open. I mean, it would be it would be great to have uh uh the big A Amazon to come out this way or or, or Apple's new facility to come out this way. Um we have the space, we have the land, right? Um it's it's I think it's gonna be really more so of looking at all right, the bigger the business how are you really becoming a part of the city, mm-hmm. right? 
and and as we're working and talking and dialogue dialoguing with Army Futures Command and so forth, right, and these other entities, really saying, look, we really want a reciprocal relationship. We really want you to become a part of the city because that's what our brand is. We don't just want someone just to come in and just kind of be here and you're off in the corner somewhere. No, we, we want you to be embedded. We want you to be to, to feel your employees, your workers and all that stuff. We want you all to feel like part of the family. So that's probably, whether they're small, whether they're big, I think that's what it's really going to boil down to and be able to say, all right, got it. You know, how are we really going to make this a relationship? And speaking of just doing business with the city of Maynard, how, do you, how would one, you know, as a company, um, as my friend, wherever else, want to do business with the city of Maynard, uh, you know, one of y'all's site, right? I mean, again, mm-hmm. you're a smaller city, mm-hmm. so maybe the processes aren't as, you kind of, uh, I don't know, as mature maybe, right, as like city of Austin in terms right. of RFPs, requests for procurement, right. requests for qualification, those right. things. But how could folks who, because there's still business that city that needs to happen and contracts exactly. out there, exactly. how could com- can companies do business with the city of Maynard? So definitely, you know, uh, some some RFPs or requests come through the governor's office to, to our municipality. Some come through the Austin uh, uh, chamber and other chambers that way. I mean, by all means, our emails are, are on there. I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah, so it's pretty direct, yeah. right? For I mean, like, if you want to get me, you can, you can get me. Everybody yeah. can get me, whether <laughs> I'm on social media or email. I, I make myself, that is one of the things I really stand behind, just being a, uh, a, a veteran leader, just being, you know, more of an actual physical face-to-face leader than a quote-unquote politician, right? Mm-hmm. You can find me on social media. You can find me, uh, email me directly, uh same thing with uh, City Hall. You know, you can find email addresses on there and just email them directly. Um, there, there is no four or five layer to get to to any of us. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's refreshing just because obviously most most of our business with the city of Austin, so they're just relatively more layers there. And we worked, we've done some work in their markets too. Where there's more mature and. I think that's the nature, the nature of those, the beasts in those markets, too. We have a flat system, man. Yeah. Our, our system's flat. You're talking about you can almost, if everything's right, if the land is already slated right, if uh, there's just stuff that doesn't really need to be developed, you can almost be in probably within a quarter of the year. Good to know. Okay. Um, I want to talk about just what, you know, you're, again, you're not a full-time mayor currently, right, with the city of Maine. I know you're going some charter revisions. So you also do some, some work over at Houston Tilton University. Mm-hmm. And we've had, you know, uh, I think we told you we had Dr. Burnett, uh, who's the president mm-hmm. and CEO of, of HT, as is known around Austin on the right. show before. And the, what, the first uh, institution of higher education in Austin and, and HBCU is mm-hmm. Black University. But what is, uh, what do you, what's your work over there entail? Uh, so I teach basically uh, principles of leadership. Right now I'm teaching organizational behavior. Uh, Dr. Uh, Stephen Edmond, who's the uh, dean for the School of Business and Technology, brought me over uh, after I had left the University of Texas System Administration as their director of veteran support and leadership programs for the 15 institutions. And his biggest thing was, hey, you know, got a great team. Uh, but also would love to kind of bring someone in that has some diverse industry experience in a lot of different areas to bring, to help sync that academia uh, aspect of it with a little bit of current now expectations. Mm -hmm. And so that's really kind of probably what I bring more to the table is what are the similarities regardless of the different industries, nonprofit, for-profit, military, education, political, what are those common themes 
that uh, a certain mental faculty, certain um, entrepreneurship mindset that are, are that are always, if you implement these things, are always going to be uh, enhancing for you. Mm-hmm. And always make sure that you're somewhat ahead of the game, especially when we talk about underserved, underrepresented populations. Uh, the, the way we analyze process critical thinking sometimes just have to be a little bit sharper. Okay. Um, what's your path to public office? So again, you were prior to being elected mayor, you were on city council, served for city council for you know, a little under a year. Mm-hmm. What, what got you interested in politics in the first place? So uh, I would probably have to say my success in the military was reading the doctrine policies of the military in general, but then every organization I went into, mm-hmm. reading those different things, you know, whether it was going into NATO, going into special operations, going into the infantry, field artillery, whatever, right? All those organizations I ended up going into, uh, reading and at least having a base understanding of what the do's, the don'ts, and how it just operated, right, uh, enabled me to be somewhat successful. Coming out, and then now it's like, there's, you don't know what to do. Yeah. And I had brought my wife and my kids to this city, uh, selected a house and so forth, and it was more or less of how do I make sense of this new environment? And talking with quite a few different mentors of mine, a lot of them said, hey, you know, the best place to start is the Planning and Zoning Commission. That's where all the decisions when it comes to what's going to be built, what's going to go before it goes to council, those base decisions happen there. So if you kind of want to know what's going on in your own city, if you kind of want to know what's going on, that's the best place to start. Uh, So I uh, submitted for a planning and zoning commission. I also submitted to be on my uh, my homeowners association as a director, probably after a couple months of being there. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, my term is up next year. Yeah, um, <clears throat> Yeah, so I'm doing that yeah. and mayor at the same time. Um, but uh, So I did that as ways for me to get a better understanding of the environment and how uh, if there's things I didn't like, I could be able to have some type of voice at the table. And I, I did plan in the zoning for about uh, eight months. And then I went ahead and I asked, I was like, if I apply for, uh, if I run for a city council, does that mean I have to step down for planning and zoning? They said no. Uh, so I said, so what I have to lose? Mm-hmm. Went ahead and ran for planning uh, for a city council, won that. And then it came down to, all right, uh, our mayor, uh, Mayor Rita Jonesy, who's the first Hispanic uh, female to be in that position, uh, she, she turned out. And so we're looking and said, all right, I would have to step down to run for mayor. Is there really a need for me to step down? Uh, Is what I see the city being able to do, is my expectation too high? Uh, Is the city ready for whatever I would try to want to kind of guide it to? And um, really coming to understand the uniquenesses of this unique opportunity that the city is in right now in uh, having to get out and engage with a lot of the influencers that can help make the city grow as it needs to grow with this unique, uh, with, with a unique support for its demographic population. Uh, I kind of felt, who would I be if I didn't run? Mm-hmm. And then I try to say, this is done wrong, that's done wrong, or I don't agree with this. I can't speak against something if I don't at least offer my services and so that's why I stepped down and ran for mayor. Very good. Uh, 
a few weeks ago, the firm we attended uh, the Austin Chamber put on, mm-hmm. or sorry, the Austin Business Journal put on. I was like, called Austin Twenty Forty, and just talk about the growth of the, of the region over the next twenty years. Mm-hmm. Where do you see, you know, in your in your kind of maybe your 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 long term vision, right? And by twenty forty, where is the city of Maynard? Where do you see it becoming? Have you thought about that in twenty years? I have, um, you know, and I think this is probably the piece I have not had so many conversations and figuring out the right verbiage for this, right? Mm-hmm. We talked uh, on the show. Great. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a utopia mm-hmm. for underserved, underrepresented populations. Um, I have said this piece before, um, whether it's at the Black Austin Democrats, whether it's at uh, the African American Youth Harvest Foundation or any other area I've had the opportunity to speak and have said that uh, the city of Maynard is truly the only city that that is underserved, underrepresented by 100%. With 51% Hispanic, 25% African American, about 30% Caucasian, there is no other city within Travis County that has those numbers. Everybody, in some form or fashion, is underserved, underrepresented. Uh, the only other city that comes close to those numbers is Elgin, and that's Bastrop County, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then again, you're talking about where Manor is at. It's the middle of the Eastern Crescent. So however Manor grows or doesn't grow hinders the whole Eastern Crescent of Travis County and the the beginning start of Bastrop County, right? And so for me looking at it is not only do I have a voice to advocate for my, uh, my constituents that have elected me, but it's also a, a, a obligation to advocate for underserved, underrepresented populations because our city is like the utopia of what properly servicing and properly supporting that population could look like, right? And, and what those people within that city, within that type of environment could become in the future, right? Uh, and then at the same time, that could potentially become a model for other places within the county and other counties. Um, so it's, it's almost a sense where the city of Manor can basically be the, the pilot model for Travis County mm-hmm. and Bastrop County of if you truly care about the underserved, underrepresented populations, if you truly understand that with the, uh, the where the demographic numbers are going, that even the Caucasian numbers are sooner or later within the next century are going to become the minority, right? Uh, and if, probably like 2050. It, probably. And, and, and you're even looking at it and saying, hey, we're going to become them. How do we fix certain services, support systems, support structures or programs so we're well off for our generation's generation mm-hmm. when they potentially become the minorities, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so it's really like looking not, like, at it. Me, like repeating the mistakes of the past, right? right. I mean, it's just, uh, I know, at least for the, the, in the at City Hall here in Austin, right, the, there's, there's, I think, ongoing discussions about institutional racism or mm-hmm. um, disparities and so on, right? So it's just plotting a better path in the future because right. that we know it's, it's going to be, you know, Browner, blacker, I guess right, right. Word. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to happen, especially when you have these interrelationships, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, you're going to have it more where everybody is no longer necessarily the the, the true minority. Yeah, anymore. Or multiple boxes you're checking. Right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I know. So one of the things uh, we hear a lot out of uh, 
Austin City Hall, right, is just taking a regional approach, in which, and I, we believe that in development mm-hmm. and transportation and so mm-hmm. on. Are you a part of uh, any kind of regional boards or organizations? And also just adding that, just what is a, you know, since you come on board the last few months, you know, your, how's your actions, interactions been with your, your fellow mayors in the region and, and our elected officials too, state mm-hmm. and, uh, and local? Very, very, very welcoming, in all honesty. Uh, you know, a lot of my engagements had already been from the veteran side of the house, you know, because I sit on uh, uh, the Employment and Training Advisory Committee for the Texas Veterans Commission, advocacy co-chair for the Texas Military Spouse Economic Empowerment Zone, uh, was a former senior transition uh, advisor for the U.S. Army Sergeant Majors Academy and, and, and different things, right? So a lot of those relationships, credibility was already kind of established in uh, the the e- equality equity advocation right because the military population is also a minority underserved underrepresented mm-hmm. population um, so a lot of what I'm doing is just now this including now actual demographic populations uh, and finding out who are those connected tissues uh, from the more the municipality side of it uh, you know definitely starting to uh, create a better relationship with uh, the mayor of Pflugerville, Victor, me and him got to gotta sit down in the next couple of weeks. I talked with the mayor out in Taylor. Uh, we, we working regionally uh, because I understand the significance of the city in a manner. I, I'm working at it dualistically locally for, for the population there, but also regionally for the Eastern Crescent. So dealing, so engaging with central health, you know, the Travis County Healthcare Division and saying, hey, how can Maynard adjacent or whatever be the Eastern Crescent support for this population that's growing? How can we be more proactive and, and learn from Austin, you know, my communications with Mayor Steve Aller, hey, how can we be in the room and at the table to learn what you have right now as current issues knowing that down the road they're going to become our issues Mm -hmm. with our population. So what stuff can we put in place? Talking with Dr. Courtney Harvey at the Texas Health and Human Services Commission, you know, she's the state advocacy for all mental health, and and, and, and talking to all these different agencies and basically saying, hey, how do we get ahead of all these things? We don't necessarily have homeless issues right now. What services and programs do we need to start getting smart on? What things can we start implementing through a pilot population or whatever? So when it does start to come, it's not trying to be a reactive or being proactive. Uh, so a lot of a lot of engaging is going on. A lot of people open and receptive. They see the population is going to come. They understand the type of population that's coming. And I think a lot of them want to be in the proactive phase because there's so much reaction going on right now. Uh, talking with Commissioner uh, Jeffrey Trevelyan, uh, told him we would like to start a uh, 20, 2050 Eastern Crescent Strategic Economic Plan, get all us mayors together. Yeah, was this tied to the, I know he was, he, uh, in today's, uh, today's March, uh, March mm-hmm. 4th, but I think last week he mm-hmm. was, before a council or a commission, or a, you know, a council commission talking about this idea of a Marshall Plan, yes. right, for the Eastern Crescent. Yes, yeah. yes, we talked about that uh, during the Travis County's uh, Black History Month celebration and, and really going there and saying, hey, uh, Maynard would not be doing its job if it did not also have a regional approach knowing that its success or failure has an impact on the whole region. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think going with that approach, we also get greater buy-in, we get greater assistance because we're not just thinking about ourselves, we're thinking about the impact 
of everybody else as well. Mayor Wallace. Thank you for your time, and uh, we'll, we'll leave, leave on that note. But uh, yeah, love to be back in the show, um, you know, in, in the near term. I think you're doing a lot of great things, and we keep up with you on you know social media. You're doing, you know, just staying very active. And I think you're also a nominee, I believe, for the 2020 Austin Under 40 Awards. I believe, I believe so. I, I think. Well, I think. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm saying believe. I think I saw it on your wall. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, we uh, you know wish you success in that. I think the finalists. Uh, or we would be announced pretty soon. It's okay. kind of just a, as an aside. You know, I was right. uh, former patent past president for YMBL. Mm-hmm. So okay, cool. I was the president last year. Got so. it. Got it. Thank you for your time. Uh, no problem. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's BG podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com/podcast and iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to stay current on future posts.